Testing, 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 do you read? We in here! It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to the Midday Man of Sports Podcast. I'm Eric Miller, your host for the show. Today is February 7th, 2020. And on today's episode, we are talking about Kobe Bean Bryant. In this episode, I wanted to give a perspective of a regular fan of the NBA. I've watched the NBA since I can remember. I think I was about six years old um, when I started watching the NBA, which is ironically the same year that about a year before Kobe Bryant got drafted, in, or the same year that Kobe Bryant got drafted into the NBA. For 20-some-on, 20-plus years, I've watched the NBA. It was the first sport I learned how to play. It has been something that I, if I needed a decision to make, I would end up going to a basketball court and just shooting hoops, pretending like the problems were the ball, shooting him into the hoop, I, I remember one instance when I was 18, and for those of you that know, I was a foster child uh, growing up, and I had just moved into my best friend's family. And apparently, this has been something that was pl- pre-planned beforehand. I didn't know this, um, and I remember asking them if I can move in when I was about 18 years old, and I remember asking, and I was so nervous. I had been friends with their son, Stephen, for quite some time. And they had obviously been in the background of me living with them. Didn't know this, of course. So I move in and I'll never forget that it has been a like a month and a half. And apparently my dad, who I now consider my father more than anything else, he comes up to me and says, hey, so there's kind of a problem. Not a big one, but a problem. Um, I got offered... I'm, potentially getting offered a job in Connecticut because we lived in Massachusetts at the time. Uh, we lived in Berkshire County. He was the program director for Lakeside Christian Camp. And we, he told me that he was getting a job offer in Connecticut for a church. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? A- am I moving with you? He's like, well, we want you to, obviously. Like, we want you to be part of this family. We just don't know what you're allowed to do. So my, we had met with my social worker. We had met with my counselors. We had met with everyone. It basically involved my support system that I had. And we had, they basically said, well, Eric, you're 18. This is your decision. What do you want to do? And I'm like, Oh man, I have no idea. I didn't know I was going to have to be an adult this early in life. Sure enough, I was like, well, can I have time to think about it? Because at that point, my dad hadn't accepted the job yet. He was getting, um, he was going in for interviews and seeing if it was the right fit. And obviously, it as the interviews and the process started, it became more and more clear, like, this is where God is supposed to be bringing my father. So ever, it seemed like this is what was going to happen. And I remember... I I wasn't in school. I had just acquired my GED that February. And so I was working at Burger King five days a week, 
uh, Monday through Friday, I would work just under 40 hours a week. And that's all I did. I, I just worked. I had the weekends off. That was it. And I remember part of my process of thinking through things, I would put it off. And I kind of still do. Uh, my wife hates me for it. But it's not part of the process. I just formulate it differently. And so back then, I would go to the basketball court. And I would go and just shoot hoops and just think about other things. Think about what my life has been like so far. How far I've come. And again, I was only 18 at this time. And I remember making bets with with God. I'm like, all right, God, if I make this shot, I'm going, I'm going to Connecticut. If I don't, well, then I'm staying here in Massachusetts. I would miss, but I'd intentionally, and I was like, crap, I actually wanted to make that. But then when I would make the shot, I'd be like, crap, I didn't want to make this. Oh, no. God, I'm not ready for this. I'm, I'm so not ready for this. So... Sure enough, I told my all my support system that I had, my caseworkers, my clinicians, my therapist, whoever it was that was involved in my, in my situation, I told them, give me two weeks, and I will figure this out. For the first week, I can honestly say I thought nothing of this. <laughs> I was terrible at this. Uh, I really had no idea what I, where I was leaning to or what I was wanting to, to do. Uh, I just got my GED. I knew I was going to college in the fall. I didn't know where. I didn't know how. I didn't know what. I didn't know anything. So the first week, I basically was like, yeah, I'm not thinking about that one. And then it started getting down to the deadline. And I remember really, really thinking back on it and really thinking at the basketball court, okay, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Where where am I supposed to be going? And to me... Being on that basketball court, letting the ball flow off your hands, there's no better feeling. Um, I've always loved basketball, and that moment has always stuck in my head that if there's something I need to figure out, let's go to the basketball court. Let's shoot hoops, and let's really, really think about this. Sure enough, um, the the day before the decision's supposed to be made, right? And I go... I go out with my family. It's my brother, Isaiah, my brother, Steven, my brother, Luke, and my sister, Anna. And we go to like Burger King or something. Cause I think it just got out of work and they were picking me up. I didn't have a car at the time. I had my license, but no car. And they we're sitting down having dinner, just the five of us. And Isaiah's like, Oh, by the way, when we go home, mom and dad want to talk to you about something. I'm like, Oh, what did I do this time? He's like, I have no idea but they want to talk to you about something. Okay. So they had company. I had gone to my room for a bit to hang out, play some video games, I'm assuming. And the company had left. They knocked on the door and said, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk? I'm like, yeah, sure. What's up? And they came into the room. We sat down. And they're like, so I don't know if you know anything, but or what, which way you're leaning towards, but there may have been a way that we can make this work out. Turns out they had decided my social worker has been working nonstop for two straight weeks behind the back, behind the scenes, didn't know about anything, of course. And he has been asking and telling people like, if we do this, 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 and this, can this work? He figured it out where we could keep my residency in the state of Massachusetts, but still living 
in Connecticut with the family and I can still get all the benefits of being a foster kid, still get free schooling, paid for, and there's really no big issue of me going to Connecticut. And it was at that moment that I was like, God had really done something for me. God really pulled through and this is incredible. And I remember going to the meeting the next day and I had the biggest smile on my face and everyone's like, "Uh Oh, Eric's got a smile. That's not a good, that's not a good thing. Why is he smiling? Sure enough. I was like, well, I made my decision and I am going to Connecticut with my family. And even though it hasn't been the greatest part, but my family has always been there. And I always remember that moment of the basketball court. If you know, Obviously, as many of you know, on January 26th, uh, segue into another set part uh, since we're talking about basketball. On January 26th, there were nine people killed in a helicopter crash. Horrific helicopter crash. Many people were lost. The names of John, Alyssa, and Carrie Altabelli, uh, Sarah and Peyton Chester, Christina Moser, Ara Zabayan, Gianna Bryant and Kobe Bean Bryant were all lost in uh, what is still being investigated today. We still don't know what is fully going on. It's only been a week and a half or so since the crash, since the nine lives were taken tragically on that day. But I remember that feeling that I got on the basketball court that day or that, that process of figuring things out. And I feel like that's where I started really falling in love with basketball. Kobe Bryant, as I've already said, I, for the last 20 or so years, he's been my favorite basketball player. I can honestly say that there is no other Kobe Bryant, there is no other basketball player better than him. To me, it's always Kobe Bryant, and that's because it's my generation. To the older generations, it's Bill Russell. To another older generation, it's Magic Johnson. To another generation, it's Michael Jordan. My Michael Jordan is Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, who was born on August 23rd of 1976, only knew one thing. when he, he was destined for greatness, and he was destined to become the greatest Los Angeles Laker of all time. He has one of the most interesting careers that I've ever seen. And again, this has only become 20, 20 or so years that I've been following the NBA. But to me, he's always had an interesting career. We saw in Kobe's career the rise, the fall, and the redemption. Uh, if you think about it, he, he, the way his career started, he the Lakers trade for Shaquille O'Neal, and then they draft this kid out of high school, the 17-year-old kid out of Lower Marion High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and they draft him. Not only, well, they don't draft him, to be honest. They trade for him. So they get the guy that's always wanted to become a Los Angeles Laker. And let's face it, it wasn't pretty at first. There were several, several years where he was sitting on the bench and that he was not starting. But Shaquille O'Neal said that, that was his rookie. That was my guy that I always looked up to or looked for and made sure he was always taken care of. That was his little brother. That was his job to make sure he was always taken care of. They started slow, but if you think about it, when they started taking off, 
and they really took off. It was 2000 when they won their first NBA title, 2001, 2002, and 2003. Three straight years. Well, 2002, they won three straight NBA finals. They they also had a run that was it's still to this day one of the greatest playoff runs of all time. In 2001, they went 15 and one and only lost one game, and that was Game One of the NBA Finals against the great Allen Iverson. We saw we saw early greatness, but he was also because it wasn't because of Shaq. It was because Shaq believed that this guy is going to be the guy. And if you think about it, Michael Jordan was coming out of the NBA. The NBA needed a new star. They had several. If you remember the 1998 NBA All-Star game, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, um, Gary Payton, these were all guys that were wanting to take the mantle. Kobe looked at it and said, guys, back off. That's mine. I belong here, and I'm going to prove it. Kobe Bryant, in the beginning, we saw so much potential, and we saw just how... How easy it is to rise, but how easy it is to also fall. In 2003, we saw the Denver um, accusation of rape being uh, called out. Unfortunately, no one really knows what really happened. There's been multiple reports about what had happened. And in fact, I did not do any investigating because it's none of my business. But whatever it was, it was taken care of in civil court. And that's all we really need to know. Uh, The only people that really know what had happened are the people involved in God. It ended to me, though, in some ways, that kind of started the downward spiral of Kobe's early career. If you think about it, he was only in the league from 96 to about 2003. He had made the finals three times. And we started seeing the rift between Shaquille O'Neal and himself. We started seeing... Who was who was the man in L.A.? Was it Shaq or was it Kobe? And it wasn't until the finals of 2003-2004 season when Detroit whipped, and I mean whipped, the Los Angeles Lakers butts in the finals, winning four games to one in five games in Detroit. It wasn't until that moment that we really started to see the breakup of Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. And in fact... They, L.A. actually wanted to keep Shaquille O'Neal and get rid of Kobe, but everyone knew, you're not getting rid of Kobe. Kobe's staying. If anyone's leaving, it's going to be Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal was traded to the Miami Heat for a guy named Lamar Odom, Karan Butler, and a guy I don't even remember, to be honest, but those are the two notable uh, players in that trade. Lamar Odom ended up staying with Kobe Bryant from 2005-2006 season on to about 2011-2012 season, and then he ended up leaving. Uh, If you think about it, Shaquille O'Neal, he ended up getting the better of the deal because he had a young stud named Dwayne Wade coming up, and in two years they would win Shaquille O'Neal's fourth NBA championship, Miami Heat's first. So it started to become, well, I mean, Shaq doesn't need Kobe. Shaq can do it on his own. It wasn't Shaq. It was Dwayne Wade. But is Dwayne Wade better than Kobe at that time? It was also at this time that we ended up seeing Phil Jackson leave L.A., who not only took Michael Jordan to six NBA Finals, but also took the L.A. Lakers to three straight Finals, three out of four winning. But he couldn't take it. He just could not do it at the time. 
he could not take the rift that had happened between Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Well, sure enough, we also see a year without Kobe in the in the playoffs. It was the first time, in fact, in his young career that he did not made the playoffs. He was also injured a lot that year in the 2005-2006 season. But it was it was it was a wake up call because he knew okay if I need to make it to the playoffs and if I want to be suit if I want to be great that I know that I'm destined to become I need to change. So we saw the fall, we saw the rise obviously with Shaquille O'Neal how great it was they were the best dynamic duo of all time. We saw the fall with the fallout between Shaquille O'Neal and Phil Jackson both leaving, Shaquille O'Neal having great success, Phil Jackson just needed to take a break from the NBA world in general. And then, 2006, he reached out to Phil Jackson, Kobe Bryant did, and he wanted to start over. He wanted to really work hard at his craft and really wanted Phil Jackson to be there. So Phil Jackson said, listen, things need to change. You need to change. You can't be the same way that you've been doing. Kobe Bryant agreed, and he changed. It was at this point where we also saw Kobe Bryant become a father. It was also at this point where we started to see Kobe Bryant grow up more. He wasn't that arrogant uh, young person, young adult that we had seen him. He started becoming a man. He knew that he had responsibilities that he had to take care of. He had to take care of his family. And he also started becoming a better teammate at this time. Uh, he started to involve, evolve in front of us right before our very eyes. And we're like, wait a minute. This is the same Kobe Bryant? This, this guy is a jerk. This guy isn't a teammate. He can't pass. Sure enough, he started passing a lot. It, it took some time for him to build, to rebuild that redemption story. But he finally got there. And in 2008, he finally got back to the NBA Finals. The first time since losing to the Detroit Pistons in five games. Unfortunately, it was at the hands of the Boston Celtics. And he lost again. And this one I'll never forget because this is the playoff game, the playoff series that we ended up watching. A bunch of buddies of mine ended up watching at Lakeside uh, Christian Camp during staff week. And we would be up every night, either in our cabin or in the chapel, watching every game. And I remember it was me, my boss, the rec, uh, the rec staff uh, leader, and another one of my front, uh, good buddies. We were we were the Lakers fans. There was just three of us, and I'll never forget Game Six because it was the worst uh, the worst loss in franchise history. Be getting beaten one thirty one to ninety two, the thirty nine point loss which is the biggest loss in LA history. And I will never forget sitting there with my hand on my right hand on my right cheek and just having my hand over my eyes, watching and hearing Ray Allen for three. Bang! The lead's back up to 25. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And I remember hearing the Boston Celtics fans, because again, we were in Berkshire County of Massachusetts. It's, it's heavily Boston Celtic fan country up there. And I remember the guys, they're, they're good friends of ours. Yeah! Woo! Even one guy who didn't really pay attention to basketball was cheering. You know who you are if you're listening to this, by the way. Yeah! Go Celtics! And I just remember looking at my friends. and we were He was wearing his Kobe Bryant jersey. I hadn't gotten one yet. 
He Kobe Bryant was also the first NBA jersey I ever bought, by the way. And I remember just ah, uh, just remembering that pain, because not only is it another loss in the NBA Finals, it's starting to make me think: Is Kobe Bryant ever really going to win an NBA Final? Is this going to be it? Are we always going to remember the three and two, and that Shaq has one more NBA title than Kobe? Well, that wasn't the case because if you think about it, it was that loss that fueled a fire in him that he lit for years to come. And he really got into with his with his teammates and said, listen, we're going to be better than this and we're going to come back and win. We are going to win the finals and we are going to be the champions. If I have to if I have to put my throat or my foot down people's throats, I will do it because I want to win an NBA championship. Sure enough, he would win the next season. Not only would he win, he would dominate in the 2008-2009 NBA Finals. And in fact, it was the Orlando Magic who had beaten the then defending champions, Boston Celtics, in, I believe, seven games. They ended up getting squashed by Kobe Bryant in five games to win his first NBA title in almost five years, six, seven years, I believe at that time it was. And it was also because of that loss against the Celtics, he was more determined to go to another finals. And in fact, he did that in the 09-2010 season against the Boston Celtics. Who would, remember, he, they had lost, the Lakers had lost by 39 points in the game six game uh, of the NBA Finals in Boston. Back then, it was the 2-2-1-1-1, or 2-3-2. No, no, it was the 2-2-1-1-1 series. Uh, I feel like NBA ends up keeping changing the playoff format. Um, The year that it was Kobe Bryant beating the Boston Celtics in 2010, it was the 2-3-2 format. Um, of course, everyone's going to say, well, you know, the only reason why Kobe Bryant got that fifth ring was because Kendrick Perkins went out. Sure, I'll give that to you. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that Kobe Bryant was more than ready to take on Kendrick Perkins. And I'm pretty sure he got the entire team fired up um, to win that, that, fifth fi- that fifth and final NBA championship of Kobe Bryant's career. And he, he wanted that redemption more than anything. Not just because it was the finals, but because it was how bad he had lost against the Boston Celtics in 2009, or 2008 season. And because it was the Celtics. If you remember, Boston and L.A. are huge rivals from way back when. Obviously, you got to look at the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson series uh, going back to the 80s. So, obviously, this has been a huge and one of the greatest rivalries in the NBA. Not as much anymore, but it it has it still has that feel that it's always an NBA Finals kind of matchup. And it ended up taking seven games, but they still did it. But we even saw him... Uh, just Kobe Bryant came different at that time, I feel like. He became a better teammate. He became... A more vocal teammate, the leader of the of the group. I remember the year that they had won uh, the Western Conference Finals. And again, I've, I've been watching a lot of videos and a lot of um, interviews recently with with a lot of different people. 
And Ernie Johnson during a commercial break said in oh in twenty ten when he beat the Suns in Phoenix and they were doing the they were doing a break before they were doing a and Ernie was like, Hey, can we get uh Ron Artest to come on and talk a little bit? And Kobe's like, No. And Ernie's like, Come on, why not? This is a great story. Ron Artest is finally going to the NBA finals for the first time. Kobe's like, No, not gonna happen. I'll let you talk to Derek Fish, but no, that's it. Maybe Pau Gasol? No, not at all. And Ernie Johnson was like, Phil, can you override Kobe? Like, come on, this would be a great story. Captain already spoke. That's what that's what the captain's gone going to do. So, I I would drop it. And sure enough, Ernie was like, Wow, that is how much respect because he did not want even as crazy as Ron Artest was. He didn't want him to get in trouble. He didn't want to say something stupid. My favorite moment of the Game 7 press conference of that 2010 NBA Finals was the fact that Ron Artest was so happy and so excited. And I remember he just kept saying, Kobe got me a ring. He got me a ring. Why aren't you guys excited? You guys are terrible. I'm leaving. It was one of my favorite press conferences of all time. Because if you know the story of Ron Artest, you know the the malice in the palace is what ESPN calls it. When he went into the stands and started fighting. And he had such a, ter- a hard time getting back. And if you remember correctly, in 2008-2009 NBA uh, playoffs, Kobe Bryant and Ron Artest kind of went at it a few times during regular season. And then it really escalated into postseason. But... It was things like that that he Kobe Bryant changed because he something that the media said that oh they're they're going to be terrible teammates they're not going to get along and in fact Kobe protected Ron Artest like he was his little brother kind of something that he learned from Shaquille O'Neal like hey I'm going to protect you I'm going to I'm going to take on that same leadership role and protect my guys to make sure that nothing that is going to be said used against you because he didn't want that to happen. And even if you remember the whole Matt Barnes thing, Matt Barnes and Kobe apparently had beef and I'll never forget because I loved watching the game. And I remember watching it live on TV when Matt Barnes put the ball in front of Kobe Bryant's face and he didn't flinch. And everyone's like, oh man, Matt Barnes should have been teed up for that. That was such a disrespectful move. I can't believe he's such a bum. Why would he do something like that? And in fact, Two years later, they became teammates and they became great friends. Even Matt Barnes said has said on his podcast, Up in Smoke or whatever the podcast is. It's a good one, by the way. If you haven't listened to it, I would listen to it. Uh, it was because of that moment that Kobe was like, "Listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna mess around like that, I want you on my team. I want guys that are gonna fight and not back down from people." And that's why you started to see the change in Kobe Bryant of how he became a different teammate a better teammate than what he was Kobe Bryant obviously won his fifth and final ring in 2010 and it was it was one for the ages it was against the greatest arch rival of the Lakers history against Boston it was the sweetest as Kobe Bryant said of the five rings that he had won even though he desperately wanted that sixth and that seventh it just didn't it just wasn't in the cards for him he Gave Co- He gave the Lakers so much and gave the NBA so much that up until 2013, when he was trying to give the Lakers one last push into the playoffs, and you never know, 
if that could have been the year. I highly doubt it because the Spurs were just so much better anyways in every every category. It it just really kind of makes you think, is this could Kobe really do this? Unfortunately, his body was starting to fail and it was at that push that we started to see this is going to be the very, this could be the end soon, the end for him. Um, if you remember, he had torn his Achilles against the Golden State Warriors, and he played lights out in that game. Took a turn on the left hand side, fell down, did his free throws, walked off the court, and I remember in the press conference he said, "I can't walk," which is were which is basically key for I can't play. This is. This I've never had this feeling before. This is it. And obviously, you didn't really want to think like, oh man, is, is this really going to be it? But obviously, that was the thought that was going through Kobe Bryant's mind. What is going to happen? It was at that moment that he started seeing basketball isn't everything. I've given everything to basketball, but what am I going to do afterwards? What is the next phase of my life? And we started to see... Obviously, he was starting to ask himself, what, what is next? We saw him come back in 2014-2015 season, play 35 games. Didn't, didn't have a bad season. Just It wasn't the Kobe that we had remembered, that we had seen for so long. And then in November 29th in 2015, we, in his, fi- his 20th season, when he was 37, because remember, he's been in the league since he was 17, he says, I, I'm, this is it. I, I'm going to be done. This is my final season. And he was at peace with it. And we started to see who, obviously, if you remember, Phil Jackson was always called the Zen master um, throughout his career. You could start to see that he really took that mentality as becoming really Zen and starting to become a part of the process to help the NBA. Now, I know he hasn't helped every single player in the NBA. He is maybe influenced them some way, some form, but he's not the be-all, the end-all for it. Um, but we did see Kobe Bryant play as he had always played on April 13th, the way that he'd always wanted to play his way. He went 22 of 50, scoring 60 points, the only person to ever score 60 points in their final game, Michael Jordan never did that. Larry Bird, Michael, Magic Johnson, all these guys never were able to score 60 points in his final game. He did it, and it's always how he has always done it, by shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And he laid it on the line. You could tell he was exhausted. You could tell that this, this is going to be it, obviously. And he did everything that he could to get the, the win. In fact, they were down, I believe, uh, by seven and within like last three and a half minutes, and he ended up breaking, tying the game and then taking the lead. And you would have thought it was the NBA Finals, Game 7 against the Boston Celtics all over again. Neither team were really playing for playoff hopes that day. It was the final game of the regular season. And in fact, ESPN2, it was originally on ESPN2, but they had to bump it to ESPN because the Golden State Warriors, at the same time, were going for the 73rd victory of the season. No team had ever done that as well. But because Kobe Bryant was scoring 50 and then ending up with 60 points in his final game, they had to bump that to ESPN instead of ESPN2. It, I mean, what can you say when Kobe Bryant ends the game scoring 60 and then says, 
What else can I say? Mamba out. Mic drop. That was the last time we'd ever seen Kobe Bryant play. Death, it, it, death is inevitable. It comes when we least expect it. It comes because we have an appointment as soon as we are born. We all have expiration dates. But for some reason, this death, this one, is different than many others. And let's think about this for a second. We've seen, and over the last decade or so, and every death is all around us. Let's face that. We've seen a lot of celebrity deaths over the years, right? We've seen... Um, many, many, uh, off the top of my head out, we've seen Michael Jackson pass away. We didn't see it, but we heard it. We know where we were when, when we heard Michael Jackson passed away. I'll never forget where I was. I was at the New Britain diner in New Britain, Connecticut with a few friends having lunch. And we, I think they had the TV on and that's when we saw like, wait, Michael, wait, seriously? I mean, I was only 19 at the time. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. So you never forget when celebrities die. A few other notable senior uh, celebrities that have happened as well over the recent years. Robin Williams in 2014 committed suicide. One of the funniest guys, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, Flubber was a great role. There was uh, Goodwill Hunting was just one of his greatest movies of all time. Um, oh, Captain, My Captain. I can't remember who, who was in it. I, I can't remember the movie, but you you know the line, obviously. Uh, Prince, who was a legendary musician who had one of the greatest uh, Super Bowl halftime shows of all time play. He passed away recently. Heath Ledger in 2008, right after playing the most iconic role in probably Christopher Nolan's greatest movie ever the with the Joker, uh, The Dark Knight. You also had David Bowie, another incredible musician. Carrie Fisher, who will always be synonymous with uh, Princess Leia. Princess Leia, not Leia. Those are a few celebrities that we've seen pass, and they've entertained us until they could no longer. But to think about this death, Kobe Bryant's death, why does this one hurt the most? Why does this one hurt more? Why are we celebrating and making murals of him and giving letters that none of us, a lot of fans anyways, probably don't know. We only have seen what he's given us and that's on the television. That's on the screen that why he's, he was such an entertainer, but we didn't see it. But why does this one hurt more? Was it that no, we didn't see it coming. I mean, if you think about a death, we never see coming. No, it's it's a date that none of us know, but we all have to face. It's one of those appointments that you don't want to make, but it's made for us no matter what. Was it that we weren't ready to see that we were ready to see him in the next phase of his life? And if I've heard or if you have heard so many stories, he was just so excited about what his daughter Gigi was about to become, about becoming a better family man, always being there, wanting to be putting the family first, being there for the family, just like any other father would be. Or, and this is the one that I think really kind of stuck with me the most, is it that we're never ready for death? And I think it's that. I think 
there's no way around death, right? We're born, we eventually die. We think that because celebrities, musicians, uh, athletes, they entertain us through these moguls that we watch them, that they're immortal, that they can't, these people cannot be touched. They're invincible. And then we see them pass. We hear that they passed away. We remember the memories that they gave us. And we, we realize they're just like us. They have issues just like the rest of us. They die just like the rest of us do. His career, Kobe Bryant's career, ended on April 13, 2016. And that's the last time we're ever going to see him play on the court again, unless you watch YouTube videos, um, his highlights, whatever it is that'll get you through the day. I, like many fans, didn't know him. Uh, in fact, like I've said, I've only followed his career for the last, uh, his, at least, I would remember his career more from 2000 on, and again, he was my favorite player, and I remember watching any highlight I possibly could on ESPN the next morning, uh, for SportsCenter, or just hearing about what he has done, and I remember, like, just kind of, it felt like we were watching him grow up and I'm like oh wow he was just relatable as an athlete my only interaction I ever had with him in person was ironically eight years ago just a couple just today actually uh because it's the uh February 7th um I my friend and I we wanted to go to a basketball game and it was right after the Giants and the Patriots played in the Super Bowl the second time when Eli Manning threw that crazy throw to Mario Manningham in front of Bill Belichick and he caught it. The Giants ended up winning the Super Bowl the second time once again. And the next day my friends and I, we we got high-rise seats at Wells Fargo State, uh, Arena against for the 76ers and the Lakers. And I remember this because half of the crowd wore Kobe Bryant jerseys. Again, he's from Philadelphia, Lower Marion High, so that's understandable. And there were a lot of Kobe Bryant fans. There were also a lot of Laker fans in general. But I would say it was 50-50. It was my first NBA game I've ever been to. And I remember because not only did he score 28 points, not only did Lou Williams hit a clutch three in the very end of the game to win 95-90, to but it was also the game that he became uh, fifth on the all-time scoring list. Not only did he become fifth on the all-time scoring list, he passed Shaquille O'Neal to get to that that um, that plateau in the NBA. Uh, obviously, he had the fifth NBA championship a year before, and or two years two years prior. But this one, he said it was sweeter. Uh, to say it's a huge honor would be an understatement. He said. After the game, it's a lot of basketball. I've been very fortunate to have such a very good career. And I I just want number six, man, he said. But at the same time, he was really excited to beat Shaquille O'Neal because this is something that, as because Kobe Bryant was still playing, he was able to still put one over Shaquille O'Neal. Not only did he have that one more ring than Shaquille O'Neal did, but now he had the more points scored than Shaquille O'Neal did. And Shaquille O'Neal, of course, as good as he was, he tweeted out, I want to, I want to personally congratulate Kobe on being the greatest Laker ever. Uh, he told 
uh, Shaquille O'Neal told ESPN's Stephen S. Smith shortly after he passed the mark. His accomplishment is great and well-deserved, and I'm really proud of him. He told me that he, when he was 18 years old, that he'd go down as one of the greatest Lakers ever and one of the greatest players of all time, and he was not lying. Um, I'm a little jealous of him because I was never able to escape the injury bug in my career. Well, he's never really been injured at all. Knock on wood, he ended up becoming injured two years later. But all of us that is a test. But all of that is a testament on, to how hard he works, and he's dedicated, and he's. And I'm so proud. I'm happy for him, and most of all, I want to thank him for being a part of the greatest one-two punch ever created and never duplicate, never to be duplicated. Uh, those were Bryant's remarks to, or Shaquille O'Neal's remarks to uh, Shaquille, uh, Kobe Bryant becoming fifth on the all-time list. And to me, that was. That was my favorite. That was my moment. That was a, a moment as a fan I will never be able to forget because I, again, I'd watched this guy. I related to him. I remember seeing him fail, but I remember seeing him grow and I remember seeing him change. And I think that's the thing that I always remember about Kobe Bryant is how human he was. And even in his greatness, you still saw the human element of him. You still saw a guy that struggled to be a teammate. But changed towards the end and became that better teammate he always worked hard no matter what no matter what it was he always educated himself to being one of the best and to being the best in the room not only was that mamba mentality that was just a life mentality that he had uh jerry west said it the best he didn't have to make up the mamba mentality it was god given one of the unfortunate parts about death is that it reminds us of how human we are as much as uh, we want to believe that that people are superheroes or are super power and um, that they're they're just regular people, I think that his death and most celebrities' death and deaths in general remind us that we are human, but that scares us. Uh, that at any moment that we can just die, fall over and die, I could literally just plop and die during this <laughs> i hope it, it doesn't lord willing but that that's what death does we are here one moment and gone the next it's a scary realization but that is reality and that's the reality that we face especially with death that's the thing about entertainers we believe the lie that they're that they give us because it takes us away from our reality and for a moment we don't feel hurt until death like this happens to me, Kobe Bryant will always be remembered as the Black Mamba. He will always be the greatest NBA basketball player. My favorite NBA basketball player. He is my Jordan to what Jordan was to many others. He is uh, my LeBron to what the younger generation is. LeBron James is to them. Um, there will never be another Kobe Bean Bryant. There will never be another great Laker like that. And again, maybe there will be. But there will never be another Kobe Bryant. I want to say that he was taken so soon, but I don't believe that. The one thing that I've learned in my life is that when we're when someone is taken, it's just a gift that God gives us, and eventually he takes away. And it's not a bad thing that he takes away. It's just part of the process. It's just part of his greater being. And I don't want to say that 
oh man, Kobe was taken at such a young age and he was he had so much life to live. You know, if you think about it, he lived the life that he wanted to live. He wanted to become a great basketball player. He became it. He wanted to have the championships. He did it. He lived his life. He had a family. It's unfortunate that he leaves behind his wife and his other daughters. And the other lives were taken in that uh, helicopter crash. But it happened. And it's just a reminder that God gives and he takes away. And when he gives, you want to take it fully. And you never want to give it back. It just is one of those things that God does. I can't say... um, uh, another thing I'll say is that death is always tragic, but it's a reality that we all have to face. Unfortunately, reality is terrible, and that's why we get so engrossed in the entertainment. We get so engulfed in the the movies, the shows, the sports, the music, because it takes away from what reality is. And sometimes reality isn't the greatest thing, but we always have to face reality. And that's an unfortunate, that's something that we all have to face no matter what. So, yeah, I want to, <laughs> I know this kind of isn't like our normal uh, podcast show. We normally do a lot of sports. We do a lot of segments. But today, I really felt compelled to just give my take, give my perspective of Kobe Bryant and his career. And uh, I hope it was good for I hope that you enjoyed and listened. And I hope that you got something from this. And if not, then I'm sorry. And I hope, I'm sorry for wasting your time, but thank you again for listening. Normally on the show, we always end with a quote. And of course, I had to pick a quote from Kobe Bryant. The quote is for today. The most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they can be great in whatever they want to do. Again, Kobe Bryant's one of his quotes that he'd always wanted to make sure that the next generation was taken care of. And the quote is... The most important thing is to try and inspire people so they so that they can be great in whatever they want to do. So hopefully you are inspired to do something that you want to do. You don't hold back. You just do what it is. You you do the work and you do it as you just love what you do. I want to thank you for listening again today on the Midday Man of Sports podcast. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at the Midday Man of Sports podcast page for all of our updates and postings. Uh, make sure to tell your friends to like us, love us, share us, just don't hate us. Um, again, the podcasts are available to listen to on Spotify, Google Podcast, as well as Apple Podcast. So for Eric Miller on the Midday Man of Sports podcast, I want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, we'll see you.